0: Welcome to Smart Talk, I'm Scott Lamar. Pennsylvania is in the midst of a heroin epidemic, and this is a different kind of heroin crisis. It's well documented that many people addicted to heroin today started with painkillers or other prescription drugs and moved on to heroin because it is cheaper and not hard to find. Heroin users were once only in inner cities, but now heroin is found and being used in the suburbs and even the most rural of areas. Besides Williamsport, Lycoming County certainly can be described as rural, but Lycoming County has a heroin problem, and now the county coroner is taking a stand. Joining us for this portion of the program is Lycoming County Coroner Chuck Kiesling, Jr. Coroner uh, Kiesling, thank thank you for joining us this morning.
1: Good morning. Thank you for having me.
0: So what you've decided to do that has gotten a lot of attention, and as far as I know, the first in Pennsylvania, is to classify some heroin overdose deaths as homicides, as murders. Why?
1: Well, I'm not sure that I'm the first one to do this. I mean, I think uh, traditionally the coroners kind of operate behind the scenes and do a lot of the investigative work unless we uh, the cases go to... Uh, trial or prosecution—that um, it's not really well known what gets put on a death certificate, other than by the families that see those death certificates—and um, and I have been involved in EMS and as a registered nurse in the coroner since uh, back in 1979, and I've seen the this devastation continue, but nothing like I have in the last five years with the number of deaths that we're seeing through my office, and so. As the numbers keep, you know, have continued to increase, we started looking at the um, the investigations and and talking with law enforcement and talking with other, you know, uh, coroners. My solicitor, the state coroner's solicitor, and by coroner statute, the uh, homicide is definite. The definition is the death of an individual at the hands of another. That's it. It doesn't say there has to be intent. It doesn't say it's not like the, the judicial side and the legal side for prosecution. It just says the death of an individual at the hands of another. And so as I interpret that and talk to folks, I said, you know what? These deaths are at the hands of another. They're at the, the hands of the drug dealer who supplied those drugs. Now, and and it can be heroin, it can be cocaine, it can be any illicit drugs, it can be prescription drugs if a physician is overly prescribing. Um, but it's still the death of an individual at the hands of another. Doesn't say anything about whether um, these cases will be prosecuted. Anyone will be held, you know, charged criminally with that. But. I believe, um, and I believe there's a lot of other coroners out there that believe the same way, that it is the death of an individual at the hands of another. And I think we're going to, you know, this has just kind of came up, and, and now it's out there, um, and there's awareness, of, and, and I hope that's a good thing. I hope it um you know raises the awareness and we it, it, we're not going to fix this problem just from the cor the coroner and the legal side of things. We need to fix it from the educational components in the schools to keep the kids from becoming you know even testing the waters with this stuff because it's so addictive. We need to have treatment facilities that are available whenever that person substance i guess the newts instead of addicts it's they're called uh substance abuse disorder you know patients they need to be able to get treatment 24-7, 365, wherever, whenever they decide they want to get themselves off of the substances. Uh, and there's a whole lot of things that have to happen to make those things happen. And hopefully, man, I mean, there's a lot of work going on. Um, in this area with the Bald Eagle Project and across the state, there's a lot of discussions.
0: Well, well, um, well let's, let's talk about some of those things a little bit later in the program, but mm-hmm. as far as classifying these overdose deaths as homicides, mm-hmm. uh, and, and I, you raised several questions for me in uh, just your first answer, but will it make a difference?
1: I don't know, I guess, but we're not, we don't seem to be making a difference in a lot of what we're doing so far. So um, I guess that's, um, I think it's raising awareness. It's, it doesn't change what we've been doing. We we do the same, but we've been doing the same thing over and over and over again with these drug deaths. We treat them as criminal uh, crime scenes. We go in and we do everything that law enforcement collects the physical evidence. We, you know, collect the deceased, bring them in, examine them, do toxicology, in some cases full autopsies. um, And then we sit down and review these cases. And traditionally we've been kind of staying towards accidental, um, but with the, uh, I feel that signing these out as accidental is just downplaying the severity of the issue. So if calling them homicides certainly raises that bar and has certainly raised attention. Um, maybe that's what it takes to shake up the whole system. And we try to get, get a plan in place that, that fixes all of these areas. And we try to save some lives. That's the bottom line. I hope to get out of this. I've spent my entire life trying to save people's lives. And, uh, that doesn't change just because I work in the coroner's office.
0: Yeah. I mean, as you're pointing out, uh, the police and others uh, still would have to investigate a, a, a death, and district attorneys would have to bring charges. Yep. Uh, from some of the quotes I've seen from around the state, uh, I've heard district attorneys who say, you know, I'm all for this uh, because, at the very least, it will bring attention to it. Uh, mm-hmm. but. The Pennsylvania District Attorneys Association, uh, while not criticizing it, at the same time, they're saying, you know, the best that can we, that come of it is that it would bring attention, that a coroner obviously cannot bring charges. So, you right. uh, know, it sounds like that's what you're trying to do is to raise this to a level that it's taken. I hate to say more seriously because everyone is, is taking it seriously, but to mm-hmm. bring more attention to it.
1: Yes, I, I guess that's probably, uh, and and this started out as a simple conversation between the Northumberland County coroner, who's, a, you know, borders like Cumming County to the south. He's seeing significant numbers of deaths. We just had another death yesterday of a 30-ish one-year gentleman that probably is going to be drug-related. Um, we just keep seeing this over and over, even in rural Pennsylvania, and we're rural Pennsylvania, and yet... Um, we're just we just can't seem to get a handle on it so if if this helps to Come up with some new ideas and and some better systems to get people the help they need. Then so be it. And if you know one person survives um, because of something I've said or done, I you know I'll sleep better at night. Mm. Uh,
0: Williamsport is uh, the big city in uh, Lycoming County, uh, right. and as I mentioned in the introduction, you know this is different, and we all know that this heroin epidemic is different. That uh, it used to be an inner city problem, or at least it was thought of that way, but. But now it has reached out into the suburbs and the rural areas. First of all, let me start by asking, how bad is the situation with heroin in Williamsport itself?
1: Well, it depends on who you're talking to. Um, And looking at the number of deaths um, is really... Uh, and I've said this at different groups and we're, you know, the State Coroner's Association produces an annual report and we're looking at the number of people that die. But um, from my experience in EMS and as a registered nurse and having ties in the EMS community, the number of deaths is minuscule compared to the number of people that are near death and that are resuscitated almost every day by the administration of Naloxone. Um, by the EMS units in the area. So, you know, to really look at the the full picture, we need to be looking at emergency room data. We need to be looking at EMS data. And sometimes that becomes difficult because of uh, regulatory issues regarding HIPAA. Um, I think one of the things that I've thought about is I think, you know, when I worked, I worked in the ER for 26 years, and you know, if you were physically assaulted, severely injured, you were shot, stabbed, car crashes, they were all mandatory reporting. I believe that we need to look at uh, making drug overdoses, mandatory report, maybe not necessarily to law enforcement, but to some sort of drug treatment facilities, so that We streamline the process of getting people who decide they want to become clean into appropriate treatment facilities, and they have those because one of the things I believe, and, and from all my years of working around this stuff, is I don't think the the substance abuse person under really knows how to get help if they truly want to get off of the whatever they're um, using. And so I think there needs to be a better system of streamlining that process and getting them um, referrals, not necessarily to be arrested, because we can't arrest our way out of this. I know that. Um, there's, there's not enough prison space, to, and, we can, and putting addicted people into um, prisons doesn't fix the problem. And neither does naloxone fix the problem. It does save some people. But it saves them at that particular time um, if they get it within that window of opportunity. That that they're still going to be able to be resuscitated. If it's t- several minutes too far, you've now just medicated you know a deceased person and you're not getting them back and you know unfortunately that happens i believe every day you know across the state
0: our guest during this portion of the program is lycoming county coroner chuck keisling jr he's decided to rule some heroin overdose deaths as homicides if you have a question or comment give us a call 1-800-729-7532 send an email to smarttalk at org. we have uh, several calls let's go to heather in Linglstown. heather you're on the air
2: hi um i understand what you're trying to do and i just don't agree you know these people choose to do heroin even if they're addicted they know the choice i don't think homicide is the right title maybe it should be suicide if you put in homicide then you're saying oh someone did this to them you can you're creating a slippery slope because you know people say they got addicted to heroin because they started with prescription drugs Now you have the ability for families to go out and sue the doctors that help those people get addicted to heroin. And also, you have the ability to have those families sue all these rehab facilities that um, basically didn't accept their, their loved one into rehab soon enough, and now they're labeled homicide. I understand what you're trying to do, but this is a choice that people make. I choose not to do heroin. Therefore, I'm good. Okay?
0: Uh, All right, Heather. Thank you very much for your call. Uh, Chuck, what do you think?
1: Well, you know, I, I kind of, I understand where she's coming from, but if you talk to the substance abuse experts, and I'm not one of them, but they will tell you the person makes a choice once to either start abusing prescription drugs or start using heroin after And I just went to a program here by, you know, presented here in Williamsport uh, by substance abuse experts. And they explained how once that individual begins that process, that first time they make a bad choice, they start abusing substances, then it actually rearranges their brain to the point where now they need that substance to prevent them from going through withdrawal. So they're going to do whatever they need to do to not go with through withdrawal symptoms so it's it's not as easy as saying it's not like alcohol you know or i've known people my own father stopped smoking cigarettes just threw them down said i'm done and has not smoked in 40 years it's not that simple for someone who's um made the first decision to use heroin and uh, or prescription substances, it, because there's such a chemical addiction that causes those folks to need that substance to, not, to, to survive.
0: I, I think what her point is, though, and let me just follow up on it a little bit, is that it's, it's almost like from if you rule this a homicide, that you're taking responsibility away from the person who is dependent on the drug and putting it all on the person who has supplied the drug to them.
1: Well, I'm not completely – I mean, the – they have a responsibility, it, and that's why I said I think there's a big educational component. Somehow we need to get through to the, our youth that this stuff is not like alcohol; it's not like cigarettes. If you start experimenting with this stuff, you will become addicted, and and it's a you know the the substance abuse people, right or wrong, because I don't necessarily, I'm not completely sold on the fact that that we say this is a. Um, disease process because I see diseases as a nurse I see them as heart disease lung disease you know Alzheimer's disease all those things that are acquired no matter what we do it's just part of the aging process and um, hereditary and so forth um, so I don't I'm not completely sold that this is a disease process but if you really believe it's a disease process well then that's what's happening you know they're they're becoming uh substance abuse syndrome is now the the i believe the new uh terminology we're using, and these people get hooked in this, and you know unfortunately they're dying from this um, and and my whole thing is I want to see less people dying you know we we've got to stop this somehow and uh you know hopefully, but if they could not and we look at if not for the availability of those substances, would this person be alive? Mm-hmm. And if I'm answering that question saying, yes, that person would be alive when I'm looking at a tox report saying, yeah, there's no, there's no other reason why this person's dead, it's a heroin toxicity, then you delivered heroin, why are you not responsible? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's and from our standpoint from the coroner's office, we don't have to prove intent <clears throat> Um, it doesn 't come up in the the decision to charge homicide or not it, it's you know it just doesn 't so um i guess that 's that 's kind of my position on this mm-hmm. and, and and I realize not everyone 's going to agree but um you know i just think we're we're we tend to be sweeping this whole problem under the to the wayside and not really recognizing the severity
0: okay we're going to talk more about it in just a moment you're listening to smart talk on WITF your home for NPR news and all things regional I'm Scott Lamar our guest during this portion of the program is Lycoming County coroner Chuck Kiesling jr he's decided to rule some heroin overdose deaths as homicides uh, we, if you have a question or a comment, give us a call, 1-800-729-7532. Send an email to smarttalk at witf.org. You also can leave a question or a comment on WITF's Facebook page. You can get that phone number, 1-800-729-7532. All right, let's go to the phone. Charles is in Harrisburg. Charles, you're on the air. Hello, Charles? Yes. Okay, go Go ahead. Yeah, don't listen to the radio, Charles. Listen to me on the telephone, because we have a delay system. But uh, go ahead. You can ask your question or make your comment. Okay, I guess he's not there. All right, let's see who else do we have on the line now. Let's go to Bill in Lancaster. Bill, you're on the air.
3: Good morning, Scott. Good morning. Um, I've been hearing a lot, and uh, I've also been reading a lot about people that are addicted to uh, opiates, and uh, basically, what I put together is that most people that are addicted can't get over it. It's devastating for their family, and they ultimately die of an overdose at some time anyway. And uh, the uh, Norcam that they have now can revive somebody. And as the uh, the guest said, uh, they revive them without any responsibility on the part of the user what's been running through my mind is is that fair to everybody else including their family and maybe we should do something like when you revive somebody as a public servant or a first responder you put a little red tattoo on the back of their earlobe and the second time you put a blue tattoo back on the other earlobe and the third time you just let them pass away peacefully all right, Bill. I'm just wondering what they, you know, what the caller or the uh, the guest thinks about that, and has anybody else thought of anything like that? All
0: right, thank you very much for your call, uh, Chuck. What do you think?
1: Well, I've heard of cases where people have um, been in and out of rehab uh, twenty-three times in eighteen years, um, and you know, part of me as a taxpayer says, "Wow." That person's worth millions of dollars in services, and still hasn't gotten clean. And how much can we um, afford? So, uh, you know, that's a that's a balancing act. I mean, how much money do we put into to trying to rehab people that I'm not sure that they they just haven't hit in the point where they really take this seriously, or they're willing to go through the the horrific withdrawal symptoms that they have to go through. We haven't come up with a drug that takes you from being addicted to these substances to clean without going through a, and, and they're never, ever, from what I understand, ever going to be completely um, non-addicted. They can get away from it, uh, but it's, at any point in their life they can go back to using, and I'm not an expert on that.
0: What what Bill suggested, though, I mean, no one is going to let someone die, Uh, but I think that what he was expressing is the frustration that Mm -hmm. how difficult it is, you know, once someone has been revived through uh, Narcan, that, uh, you know, as you said, there is no drug that uh, gets someone non-addicted, that that person, after they've been revived... Uh, there are many who do go back to using drugs again. What would be ideal is that they would get treatment right away after they they have been revived. Let's take right. some uh, phone calls, another phone call from Ed in Lancaster. Ed, you're on the air.
4: Hey, good morning, sir. Hey, listen, I don't want to sound smart, but kindly, I really don't think you have a grasp of what's going on in the experience of heroin. Uh, ha- having a daughter, okay, survive an overdose, let me tell you this. Number one, it's not a disease model. Okay, number two, there's no lowest point. Okay, these people are compelled to take these drugs. For you to say, okay, that the 20, 21-year-old, 25-year-old heroin addict out there, if he supplies, okay, his peer with heroin, which is how they finance their heroin, they give it to each other and sell it amongst themselves. Okay, that's how this thing is multiplying out there. For you to send them to jail for murder, okay, shows a complete lack, okay, of understanding of, of basic legal common sense, okay, or the model of of addiction, or the knowledge of addiction. Number two, okay, all right, all this talk, okay, about putting people away, young people away, young addicts away for murder, and not a single mention, okay, about the volume of drugs that are coming into this country from outside it, you're not even going to talk about that issue at all? Number three, okay, you don't even talk about, okay, uh, you talk about treatment programs, and you never say what other coroners say, and that is, is that the talk programs don't work. This is a physiological thing. They need methadone. They need to be maintenance. That's the only answer. All right. In short, sir, I don't think you're qualified.
0: Thank you very much for your call. Well, Chuck, there's someone who obviously disagrees with you.
1: Well, uh, and, and if his daughter would have died... Um, I think his thoughts would be different than what mine are. He hasn't sat in for over 35 years in the positions I've been in and watched grieving families that have lost their loved ones. And uh, I agree, we need to stop this stuff from coming into the country. That wasn't a question that I was asked before, but I'm telling you right now, that is an issue. I've talked to the DEA folks; they are underfunded, don't have enough resources. You know, we do need to stop it from coming into the country. We don't. To grow this stuff in our backyards. Opiates not growing, you know, uh, here in Lycoming County anywhere, as I've seen marijuana plants and those things, you know, growing, but, but we don't have opiate pots, you know, growing here that we're producing heroin locally. So um, I agree with some of his statements. Um, so,
0: But I think I, what he the big thing he was pointing out is that those who supply the drug are often dependent themselves, or often addicted themselves.
1: I don't believe that is necessarily the case, at least the ones that I'm seeing. There's a lot of people come into this area. They're not addicts themselves. They're just making a living selling the substances. And those are the people that need to go to state prison. And we need to set examples for long periods of time. We can't slap them on the wrist and say, don't bad drug dealer, don't be, you know, uh, selling drugs, you're going to kill somebody. Um, You know, if I kill someone in my duties as a nurse, if a physician kills someone, we can be charged. You know, if you choose to sell drugs, an illegal substance, and you kill someone, why is it not a homicide? You know, we we sign out motor vehicle crashes, and this is traditional across the, the the Commonwealth and across the country, if someone's under the influence of alcohol driving a vehicle and they hit and kill someone, it's charged, you know, they're charged with vehicular homicide. What is the difference?
0: Mm -hmm. All right, let's take another call. Let's see. Lonnie is in York. Lonnie, you're on the air.
5: Hi, thank you, Chuck. I support you 110%. uh, Having lost a 30 year old member of our family recently to, to heroin, uh, Big thing that I haven't heard anything any talk about is that the, uh, the people that are, are dealing the heroin isn't bad enough that the heroin is addictive. They're putting ketamines and they're putting uh, a drug that is used for cancer patients as a last resort for pain into the heroin. And that's a malicious act in itself. And by doing that, it makes the heroin even more addictive. These people need to be taken off the streets. And you're absolutely right. Anyone that is dealing drugs, they are uh, the the, uh, the suppliers make sure that their dealers do not use drugs. Okay, they don't want them using it. They don't want them using their drug before they sell it. And uh, uh, if, if the other caller, you know, God bless, you, and his his daughter is still alive. But I do believe that if his daughter would have died, he would have a
1: different outlook. Hey,
0: thank, thank you, you very, very much, much for your, thank you very much thank for you. your call, Chuck. What do you think?
1: Well, I agree. That's that's the difference between the two callers. One's daughter is still alive, struggling, and one has a family member that's died. And I see all of the family members that die. So my I'm I guess I'm somewhat tainted, but I think as I said, thirty five plus years of experience and, and seeing the devastation over the last five years that's hit, you know, like Cumming County, um, I'm going to have a strong opinion the way I do. So, well,
0: Hey, one final thing. You had mentioned earlier, I mean, we're, heroin has gotten the most attention, but mm-hmm. uh, you have said that uh, you would rule homicides in uh, any kind of drug overdose deaths. But you mentioned very early on the program about doctors who supply uh, a drug that uh, someone dies from an overdose. That sounds like, that, that sounds like a little bit of a slippery slope there, too.
1: Well, I mean, it, you know, we, the physicians have the, the um, requirement of their, you know, to be able to try and make people comfortable, but on the other hand, um, you know, we can't have doctors out, and I know because we've had some physicians that have been shut down in this area, in this region, uh, for overly prescribing medications. There's a lot of med- you know, educational programs now being given in the med schools and in our hospitals educating doctors about appropriate prescribing practices and standards of care, and so that's a good thing. I think the prescription monitoring program, hopefully that will eventually get up and off the ground statewide so pharmacies can track when who's writing the prescriptions um, and when these get filled, that there won't be the... What we've seen is, um, you know, now with technology, folks can reproduce prescriptions and go to ten different pharmacies and get, you know, medications and um, not legally, but obviously it's it's easily done with the uh, computerized technology today. We need to get away from all of that. Um, <clears throat> do the prescribing on a tight system that's monitored, um, and so that um, if a physician truly is. Um, providing narcotics unnecessarily, uh, and this person dies, they very well could be held responsible just like the street addict. Um, I don't think anyone can be exonerated um, if we truly find in the medical records that the physician is prescribing more medications than the individual should be uh, receiving. Hey, Chuck,
0: I know that we talked about being on for a half hour. Are you available to stick around for a few more minutes? Because my phones are are blowing up here. Okay.
1: Yeah, I can do that. Can you
0: do that? Okay. I want to take another phone call from Dominique in Mount Wolf. Dominique, you're on the air.
2: Um, Hi. I'm so glad you took my call. I listen to your show all the time. I am a nurse. I work in drug and alcohol rehab, and I think the comment is ridiculous about locking up drug dealers for murder. Everybody knows anybody who wants to get high and do drugs are going to get high and do drugs. You lock up this person, the next person is going to come, more drugs. So where did he
1: get that idea from?
0: So, Chuck, I guess the question is, uh, does this actually help?
1: Well, I don't have the ability to lock people up. Um the only thing I'm I have not and the coroner's duty is to determine cause and manner of death. That is where our you know our statute uh requires us to do. That as far as locking up drug dealers, that's entirely up to law enforcement folks and the district attorney's office, but <clears throat> she's making her living off of treating addicted people. So, um You know, I want to see people not be addicted. I want them to not run the risk of either end up in treatment or end up dead, Um, and more likely they'll end up dead. Um, So, again, she's, you know, can have that opinion, but... And I don't have, like I said, I don't have the control over whether these people get criminally charged. Um, That's up to the law enforcement and district attorney's office to decide that. So, and the judges, the judges sentence these folks. But we can't have people in and out of prisons for, you know, short periods of time. They develop contacts while they're in prison. They develop networks to better... Uh, move drugs in and out of communities and are destroying people's lives and I'm not going to sit back and allow that to continue to happen and I hope that other people will get on board with this thought process and say I'd like to see us not need addiction treatment centers ever to shut them all down because we shut down the borders Um, you know we don't get the heroin into the country we get people cleaned up off the drugs and we move forward and we're not picking up bodies and I'm not dealing with grieving family members on a daily basis because of this nonsense.
0: All right, let's take another call from, and we're going to go to another state actually, James in Martinsburg, West Virginia. Uh, James, you're on the air.
6: Hi, how are you? Doing well. Oh, good, good. Yeah, yeah. I was just, uh, I, you know, I commend the gentleman. I, I work with the group in Martinsburg, West Virginia, the, Berkeley County heroin epidemic overdose awareness campaign, and um, and I'm a veteran, a Vietnam veteran. I I used drugs in Vietnam, and I stayed on heroin for over 35 years, and I've been clean and sober for over 23. And I do agree that if if a person is uh, charged, if we put that on social media, that the person who is uh, distributing the heroin can be charged with murder, I think that we would deter. At least we would add some presence or something for these grieving parents to say. I work with a group called Narnon where we talk with people who have lost loved ones. I'm talking grandparents, uncles, aunts, and they come and sit and cry. These people don't have a clue as to what they can do. They feel helpless and powerless and so I think that if people get charged for murder, for distributing this stuff, I mean, and, and I did heroin intravenously for over 30 years, and I'm clean and sober, so we do recover. So, so and I agree with uh, what he just said about the lady that makes her living uh, in the, in the uh, rehab centers. I mean, that's a living that she makes. I know she has to make a living, but I agree. I would hope that we can get rid of the necessary,
0: the need for rehab. Hey, James, uh, first of all, congratulations on yes. your sobriety and uh, uh, thanks for calling in and offering your opinion. Chuck, Chuck you want to respond to yeah. that?
1: Well, you know, I, yeah, I also thank James for, you know, being persistent and getting off the stuff and now being a voice of, you know, to help others because that's, that's what I do. You know, I, people, I have people crying in front of me all the time and, you know, and have lost loved ones. And, and what do you say to fix that? You know, and, uh, you know, I've always felt we need to be proactive in everything I've done in the last 16 years here as coroner. We've uh, started up programs through the child death review process to reduce the number of uh, teen crashes. We've done a sleep sleep program. We offer cribs for families <laughs> out of our office for this, you know, uh, trying to address the uh, all sorts of uh, death-causing incidents that occur in the county. And this is, I believe, just one more thing that I'm saying we've got to stop this. We've got to prevent these deaths from continuing, and hopefully, and you know, through the efforts of other folks that, that are on board with this, that we can, can move forward. And like I said, I, I, nothing against drug treatment facilities. We certainly need them right now, but in the future, I would hope we can shut them down. You know, we don't need them anymore, but I don't know that I'll live long enough to see that.
0: You're listening to Smart Talk on WITF, your home for NPR News and all things regional. I'm Scott Lamar. Welcome back to Smart Talk. Our guest during this portion of the program is Lycoming County County Coroner Chuck Kiesling Jr. Coming up in a few minutes, we're going to be talking with your County Coroner, Pam Gay, about uh, the the same issue. And if you're tuning in wondering about uh, pipelines, that was something that we had scheduled today. Federal government coming up with new guidelines, new safety guidelines for pipelines. Uh, Because our uh, phones have kind of blown up here, uh, decided to push that back to tomorrow. Marie Cusick, our uh, State Impact Pennsylvania reporter, will be with us tomorrow to, to talk about uh, the pipeline safety and a number of other issues having to do with natural gas here in uh, Pennsylvania. I uh, have an email from a listener. says, I'd just like to offer this in response to your earlier caller. I was in group therapy through sub- the summer of 2014. While I had and continue to have love and support from my family, there was a wide range of reasons for people uh, being there, but what I would like to emphasize that in a group of typically 8 to 12, there was more often than not a majority of folks who did not have the benefits of support by loved ones. In fact, there were numerous stories of group members, families turning their backs on them. Sad. I was truly surprised, and what I'm taking away from this, Chuck, is that uh, we're getting a variety of calls, uh, not just about uh, you deciding to uh, classify some heroin overdose deaths or drug overdose deaths as homicides, but a lot of people just talking about heroin, about drug addiction, getting a lot of calls about the prescription drugs and painkillers. Obviously, what it just goes to show, and this is no surprise, but what it goes to show is there are a lot of factors involved in this, and we have a absolutely. lot of people there, out there in pain, a lot of people who are who are searching for answers. You agree with that?
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, we I just see it every day. I mean, it's and uh, I have. Um, I have a cousin that I've been, you know, trying to, to help him through the, the. He's got severe pain. Was in a crash 25 years ago. Is busted up, has rods in his back. He's, you know, um, just a physical mess. And he's 52 years old, 53 years old, and has lives with pain every day of his life. And he's had trouble, and and he's having problems getting in for pain management. And he's he can he knows how to get to heroin. Um, but he's contacted me and said, I can't, I don't want to do that. I don't want to get back in heroin, but I need help. And, and a lot of the doors, because he doesn't have the financial resources to go out and pay for co-pays and all of the medical care that he, he needs to get pain-free, um, the doors are slammed in his face. And so we have to fix some of those issues too. I mean, there's, there's no one Piece of this puzzle that we're going to use to completely obliterate this problem. Um, there's, you know, there just has to be a lot of changes, and a lot of different avenues from the medical system. We've got the insurance companies. There's got to be better treatment um, for longer periods of time. You can't throw, uh, you know, a, a substance abuse person into um, inpatient treatment for 28 days and think they're going to walk out completely clean it's not going to happen so but then on the other side of it is how do we pay for all of these you know these treatment um, resources you know those all become issues and it's really complex this is only and what i'm doing is only one piece of the puzzle and it obviously at least has gotten some talk going and hopefully we'll uh, come up with some good ideas and save some lives
0: let's go to the phone now elizabeth is in lancaster elizabeth you're on the air
7: Thank you. Let me turn my radio off. Yeah, it's a good um, idea. I just wanted to comment on the fact that they're going at uh, this saying that drugs are a um, it, it alters your brain so that you can't control your desire. The fact that the guy just ahead of me was a heroin addict and he's been off of for thirty years or whatever it was, he said, should point to the fact there's not this is not necessarily a disease process, but something else. I had a bone marrow transplant 15, 20 years ago and was given Oxycontin and all those things to help me while I was healing. I even was given some to bring home with me. However, I chose not to use it after I no longer had pain issues and I've been free. You know, I, I don't take any kind of medications at this point. So it has to be some part of the human desire to get well and to Uh, exercise some discipline. It can't just all be a disease process of the brain. Mm -hmm. That was just my
0: comment. All right, Elizabeth, thank you very much for your call. And she kind of touched on something I wanted to ask, and and you've... Mm -hmm touched on it as well. Uh, I I said in the introduction, it has been well documented that uh, we have a major prescription drug and painkiller problem. And many of the people who are now dependent on heroin started that way. Uh, They went to heroin because, number one, it is so cheap. Uh, Number one, their supply of the prescription drugs ran out. Was that the case or is that the case in Lycoming County as well?
1: I think in some cases that is the case. I think that they do, you know, run out of prescription drugs. Somehow they got hooked on them and transition over. But I think there's also, um, you know, a the group that just got hooked in with the wrong crowd and somebody said, hey, let's try this. And next thing you know, they've stuck a needle in their arm and now they're, they've got a lifelong um, history of substance abuse and they can't seem to kick it. Um, you know, and so there's there's both sides of it, I believe, out there. The people that we see that um, have died, some of them had pain ish, chronic pain issues and, you know, led to the uh, the addiction. Um, but then there's the other group that, for whatever reason, you know, decided to uh, make a bad choice and experiment with this stuff and, and they... Uh, They die as a result of it.
0: We have uh, another Elizabeth, and uh, this Elizabeth is uh, sending an email with a comment. I appreciate that this has brought attention to the issue, but I worry that we already have enough trouble collecting accurate data regarding the situation, and we need to encourage all coroners to report thorough and accurately. For example, some reported as respiratory failure and don't mention the presence of drugs or don't run a full toxicity panel. Also, I think you might be underestimating how many daily users also sell in order to feed their addiction. Uh, We have reported on that. WITS Ben Allen has reported on this uh, pretty extensively that uh, we do not have a uniform system of reporting overdose deaths here in Pennsylvania. So what do you say to her point?
1: Well, the problem I see with that, and, and we've talked about this with amongst the coroners is looking at the number of dead really doesn't, change anything uh, we can't help those people they're they're deceased as I said earlier I think we need to be looking at the data from the emergency rooms for from the EMS the emergency uh, medical services people that are treating administering narcan and we need to be looking at that data because those are the people we can help those are the ones we can get plugged into drug treatment and hopefully save their lives. The folks that pass through our a- office um, are just the tip of the iceberg. Uh, for every person that dies in Lycoming County, I would venture to say there's probably 15 to 20 more um, that survive. Um, I, you know, there, But I don't have any, there's no real good data that I'm aware of because again the HIPAA issues. I think we need to look at Making those mandatory reporting to drug treatment um, resources so that there's a you know is accurate data and accurate data that will help maybe help some of those people get the help they need and save their life, looking at our numbers um, it, it, we can't bring them back. Narcan doesn't bring them back. Um, and so it just identifies that we have a huge problem, um, as I'm, Pam Gay will tell you as well, because Pam and I are both nurses. We've, you know, um, been working in the coroner's office for many years, and, and we see the the same problems. She's got a larger scale because of a larger population uh, in York County. But um, so yeah i I just want to try to save some lives as we all do. I think I don't, Our, I don't you know
0: well, let's take another call from Lenny in Lancaster. Lenny, you're on the air.
1: Good afternoon. This has
8: been one of the best topics you've done in a long time. I appreciate the dialogue here thank you um I think um you know as part of the prevention process, we need to open up child at risk children to the realities, and what I mean by that is kids that get in trouble should be mandated by a judge. They can either go to jail or that they can, they can either, when there's an overdose, they can go to the coroner's office and actually look at the body with their own eyes. They can see the ashen skin color, not funeral home, not with makeup on it, but the actual ashen skin color, the track mark in their arm, the mouth and eyes open. And I think that This problem won't go away because the government really, to be honest, is not going to really get tough with it. To get tough with these ghouls would mean not to put them in jail, but to bring back the death penalty and not have a bunch of liberal judges stop it every single time because they think it's cruel. What's cruel is that I work every day with my – and that somebody can feed this to my kid is, is immoral. That's immoral, and we shouldn't be sympathizing with these people. We need to get brutal with them. I mean, I didn't wake up saying, how can I hurt somebody? I'm not sending my kids out to package this junk up. And so I think um, even that's probably not going to happen. I'm a realist. But we have to look to each other, and we have to look to our families and make sure that prevention is the key. And I think we should be serious. Let's show show the kids the bodies. Let's scare them straight, because I
1: think that will help. All right, Lenny. Thank you very, opinion.
0: thank you very much for your call, Lenny. I, I don't know if that's realistic or not, but uh, that may scare a few people straight.
1: Well, we are actually uh, the end of this month. We're doing a program at Williamsport Area High School, and it's going to be a mock crash program. And I suggested to the the council or the staff up there that we do a simulated heroin death scene. And uh, you know, we're we've already staged it, video the tape the uh, vignette of that whole thing and uh, we'll be running that this the end of this month for that exact purpose hopefully we can if it scares one student into saying I'm never going to stick a needle in my arm I'm never going to pop a pill in my mouth you know then it's all worth it but I, I said our number of DUI crashes and fatal crashes in Lycoming County has drastically dropped the number of heroin deaths is going the other direction and I said we've got to do something to, you know, since we're talking about students against drunk driving or destructive decisions, we need to focus and and at least have part of this as a destructive decision discussion with these students. And this will be in front of 900 and some students at the high school. So we'll see. Hopefully it works.
0: Lycoming County Coroner Chuck Kiesling, Jr. Chuck, thank you very much for being with us today.
1: All right. Thank you.
0: All right. Certainly generated a lot of a uh, lot of conversation, that's for sure. Well, I want to turn to uh, another county uh, in our area, York County. Pam Gay is the York County coroner who has been uh, very out front on this issue. As uh, many of you are aware, York County has been, unfortunately, one of the leaders in the state of Pennsylvania in the number of heroin overdose deaths. Uh, Pam, welcome to the program.
9: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: Now, you, you uh, have come out publicly and said that uh, you would not tame, take the same tactic as uh, Chuck Kiesling in ruling the whole heroin overdose deaths as homicides. Why not?
9: Well, first of all, let me say Chuck's a great guy. Uh, I, I admire him uh, as a colleague. Against Chuck, I think he, what he's doing is is probably what he feels is right for him uh, in his county, and, and sometimes... Um, it takes some things that are rather drastic measures sometimes to bring about change, and uh, I certainly respect him. Um, and, but for us in our county, um, we actually have a very good cooperation from law enforcement as well as the DA's office in bringing that charge drug delivery resulting in death in some of these cases. Um, we don't feel that we need to change it to homicide. We're going to leave them accidental. Um, one of the things that we learned as we have done about 75 presentations Public and, and private throughout the county on this topic, educational presentations, as we're out in the community, we are learning more and more, and one of the things that was pointed out to me over and over again is that you know all, at one time or another, most all heron addicts do deal in one way, shape or form, um, whether it just be selling a bag to their friend and sharing it uh, or whatever, but they do deal and um, and so. You know, RDA's DA's intention with the drug deliveries leading death, my understanding is to go after the the main dealer, the one that's really majorly profiting it, not to profiting by it, but not to punish um, their friends that might be using with them per se, um, unless for some reason there was another crime involved. For instance, we've had some where they delayed calling for hours, um, that kind of thing, and that's a different situation. But. Because we have that cooperation pretty much since February of 2014, right after I took office, and we are treating these as crime scenes, um, we don't see the need to change this at this point. We are going to leave them accidental. Uh, Again, I respect Chuck for what he's doing, uh, but I'm fortunate to have that cooperation from law enforcement and the DA's office to, from law enforcement to be treating them as crime scenes, first of all, and the DA's office to pursue charges when they can. Um, and to tell you the truth, sometimes it's hard if it 's a mixed drug toxicity because it's hard harder to prove that it was the heroin. Um, but the other thing that we do in our county is we do autopsies on all our drug or all our heroin related deaths, um, and that also helps um, with that charge. Um, so um, it shows that nothing else caused the death but um, that particular drug. So um, we're, we're very aggressive, I think, in, in some ways, um, but I will not uh, at this point. I don't see the need to be changing it to homicide. Uh, and I do think sometimes you, you know, you, there's a potential that you could be incarcerating people that really could be helped. Um, and um, if, if there's one thing that we're learning is incarceration is much more costly um, and uh, many of our individuals get out of prison and go right back to using. So um, we know that that's not totally the answer either. So.
0: so kind of give us an update, if you would, on your county situation. I mean, we did talk uh, after 2014 when York county had an explosion of overdose deaths. What's the situation today?
9: Well, we still have a, a pretty high number of deaths. Uh, in, in, in 2014, we had 62 um, that had been up from 17 the year before. That was our biggest increase, the so three and a half times increase. Uh, last year we had uh, 65 who died uh, from heroin-related deaths. However, we had Narcan in progress uh, or in process being administered by law enforcement uh, between April and December of last year, and had over 100 saves with Narcan. So we believe our deaths would have been even so much worse had it not been for the Narcan. Uh, and this year so far, we have uh, we have four that are confirmed and another. Uh, Twelve that are suspected, so we do seem to be similar on pace as we were in the last two years. Um, this problem took fifteen years to get here uh, because of the prescription pain crisis it's it 's linked to that, um, and it 's going to you know that it 's going to take you know a while before it goes away or at least decreases and uh, We want it to at least decrease uh, to the levels that it once was if If we can eradicate it entirely, that would be idealistic i don 't think that 's going to happen. But, um, you know, we definitely believe that over time and with the Prescription Data Monitoring Program coming into place, hopefully, as Chuck referred to, uh, we believe that that will help um, in the long run. So,
0: Pam Gay is the York County Coroner. Pam, thank you very much for joining us today.
9: Thank you. Take care.
0: I want to thank uh, both our guests for being with us today. Uh, <laughs> I have to admit that, uh, you know, when, when the phones explode like the way they did today, that, uh, I mean, I'm not surprised by it, but uh, it's unusual that uh, everyone jumps on an issue like this. And uh, I'm glad to see that people care and uh, do have questions and comments. If you have any others, send emails to uh, WITF.org. You can comment on our, uh, on our uh,
2: website as well.